Well, good morning. You have in your bulletins an outline that you can follow along with this message this morning. You also have this little survey. Will you grab this survey? In this survey, I want to know, as we launch this series called Christian, and kind of looking at stripping away the, the confusing, the misguided assumptions that a lot of people have about what it really means to be a Christian, we want to know what you think. Like, what would you most like to hear about? What do you think is the most relevant to this conversation? So check that box off. Check several of them off, whichever are the most interesting. And I hope to see some good little uh, fill-ins, too, for your own little thought on what would be especially helpful in this series. We want to know because we live in a culture that thinks of Christians in a certain way. And they, you know, whatever those assumptions are, in fact, I want to know what you think those assumptions are. What do you or what do your friends that don't go to church, that wouldn't call themselves a Christian, what do they associate with the word Christian? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Don't be scared. Say it. (laughs) Contradiction. Contradiction. Boring. Boring. Judgmental Judgmental is the number one thing. Fanatical. Fanatical, some, sure. Naive. Yeah, there's all kinds of things that are very real. And why do you think that so many people associate those words, those ideas with Christians? Because a lot of them are, right? I mean, because it's real. They've had experiences with people that are just like that. And so we want to talk about how those things are not, not at all what it means to follow Jesus. And we're going to do that in this series, and we're going to start that Today, now, yesterday I did a wedding at the Irvine campus in the chapel. It was awesome. It was this great young couple. Uh, They had, I I don't know where they had heard me, but they wanted me to do their wedding. I just met them not long before that. They were, both went to USC. Uh, It was, it was a good time. So as I'm there, we start off and I just gotta, you gotta picture this because I'm standing right at the front with him. His name's David and we're watching and his beautiful bride-to-be is walking down and this guy loses it, okay? Not just like your normal cry with a little tear dripping down, like a noisy cry, like... <laughs> you know, I mean, like, that, like that kind of a thing right next to me as his wife is coming down the aisle and I'm like, dude, this is embarrassing, pull it together. And then I look... And both of the moms are there, and they're looking at him, and so they start to bawl. And then I see that, and I start to go, <laughs> you know, and, and it, it, it wrecked me. And, and, I, and so I had to, like, man up internally, and then they did the who takes this man thing and held hands, and then quick I turned my face and, like, wiped my eyes, and then walked up, to the, up the steps and then just, just like off the cuff, kind of was saying, hey, welcome, this is going to be, this is such a great time, we're so glad that you're here, it's going to be powerful, and, and they've already made me cry, so, and everyone just like erupted in laughter, and I was like, well, this is going to be easy, so then I was like, the rest of the time, I'm just like, joke, 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 <laughs> and these guys are just eating it up, and I'm not that funny, but what I realized is, what I realized is that they have assumptions about what happens in a chapel in a ceremony led by a minister. And so when the person is a little bit funny or engaging, they just don't know what to do with themselves. They were, it was unexpected because they had in mind what they thought that Christians were. And so it was a joy to be able to be there with them yesterday. It was a lot of fun. And so we're going to talk this morning just for a few minutes about why some Christians are inspiring and others are obnoxious. 
And I'm going to give you like a little clue on the front end because I grew up obnoxious. I grew up kind of dancing on that line and skewing to the obnoxious side quite a bit. And one of the reasons is because we grow up, if you grow up in the church, if you grow up with kind of religious expectations placed upon you, you grow up kind of starting to think that there's a list of do's and don'ts because you have to look like a Christian. And so you think you have to behave and do the uncertain things, and you can't do other things. And so you see your friends and people in the world doing what they want, and they seem to be able to sleep around, and that seems fun. And they don't, they don't, it doesn't, no one really cares if they're acting crazy or doing whatever, but you can't look that way. And so you, you're white-knuckling your stuff because you kind of want to do what they're doing, but you can't. And so you, and so you have discipline, and you want to live this moral life, and so you are living that way, and that's supposed to be good, and yet secretly in the back of your mind, you wonder if you're missing out. Is it just me? I mean, I, 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 that is how I grew up. Like, I, I, can, I can perform, I can do this stuff, I can make it work, I can, I can be the good kid, but secretly in the back of my mind, I wonder if I'm missing out on a more exciting life. And so you start to go internal, and you start, and then it's not like you don't have the same urges and desires, and so then your sins start to become secret, and you develop addictions to things like pornography and drinking by yourself and things like that because you want to give the appearance of being this good, shiny Christian, And you can't talk about the things that are real and going on in your life because you're expected to be this way. And then, so just as a natural byproduct, you become this religious person that you don't even like to begin with. And then the people on the outside are looking at you and they are judging you because you judge them and it's this thing that goes back and forth and they do think that you don't have any fun and a lot of people aren't having any fun. Right? And that's just, that's just how so many Christians live, and that's why Christians have gotten a bad name. And so we're going we're gonna to keep it really clean and simple. Jonathan, fire up the technology. So I just want you to have a couple. I'm going give, to give you a couple of visuals today. Here's the first one. Pretend this is a good pendulum. And on this side, you have rebelliousness. And on this side, you have religiousness. And we find ourselves swinging between these two all the time. If you grow up going to church and being told how to behave and look good and do all the right things, you're going to skew toward this religious side. You're going to, you're going to skew in that direction. You're going to manage your sin and try to keep it under wraps. You're going to try to look the part. You're going to try not to cuss too loud. You're going to try to you know, do the things. And you're going to skew to this, to this religious side of things. And the people that are going, to, are going to clash with you are going to be the people who go to the other side. The people who go to the other side are the people that do what they want to do. I do what I want. I do what I want. This is the more kind of rebellious, apathetic. I'm not really into that stuff. That seems fake and manufactured. I'm going to do what I want to do, right? And so they swing that direction. Now, these people over here are trying not to do what they actually want to do, right? And so they're the ones managing the sin and white-knuckling it and trying to look the part and everything. And so what we're going to talk about is how actually erring in either of these directions is not what we want. We want to go to a place that's, that is altogether different. We're going to talk about it in a, more in a second. But that's what you, I want you to visualize this tendency that you will, you will be prone in one of these directions or the other. You will be prone toward rebelliousness and doing your own thing and just giving in because I don't want to live a fake life. Or you're going to be prone to managing it and trying to get it right and make it look shiny and nice. And we want to do away with those. Thank you, Jonathan. So turn. 
in your Bibles or in your bulletin, or you can read it on the screen to John chapter 15. This is the answer. This is what Jesus would say to you is the antidote, the answer, the antithesis, the other way to not err on either side of that equation. This is our only hope. And it's going to be really simple, but it's the only way. Much of life in following Jesus is very simple. It's not easy, but it's very simple. John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Okay, pause there for a second. Let me give you just a little bit of historical background. In, I believe it's Isaiah, in the Old Testament, the people of Israel, the Jewish community, Jewish nation, is referred to as a vine. That God would send them, that they would be this life source that would branch out, that would invite other people in, that they would be a community that would attract a community and point people toward God. But they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They got off track. They got, the Bible calls them stiff-necked over and over again. They were rebellious. They kind of strayed from God. And so what Jesus is saying is, I am the true vine. Where humans couldn't get it right, I am coming and I will make it right. I am the only one who can make this work. So Jesus is coming to kind of to, to change everything, and he is that true vine. And he says, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. How many of you know what it feels like to be pruned? It stings a little bit, right? I was having this conversation with a good friend of mine this past week, how just... The, the realities of life, there's a difficult situation, there's a challenge that we were walking through, and I had the, the, you know, the privilege of being able to share, you know what, I want to be sensitive, this is hard, this is difficult, but the good news is, you're just being pruned, because God cares so much about you, he doesn't want to leave you the way you are, he's going to do this, it's going to sting a little bit, and it's going to be annoying, and you're not going to love it, but on the other side of it is more health, more fruit, more abundance, that's the way he operates, it stings in the moment, but there's more fruit coming, so we know what it is to be pruned, Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So this is interesting because as Jesus is telling his disciples about this, they are walking on a road. The road they are walking is they are leaving from where they just had the last supper. And they are on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane where he's going to pray, he's going to be betrayed, and then he's going to go down this road to the cross. Okay, So they are on this path. And this is like the, the last lessons of Jesus. This is like his final message and time with his disciples just right there. And they've just had this last supper and he's just washed his disciples' feet. And if you know anything about that story, when he washed his disciples' feet, he got to Peter and he was like, okay, so here I'm t- I, you know, taking off my robe, I'm getting the basin of water, I'm washing feet. And Peter says to him, God, Jesus, God in flesh, you're not washing my feet. A, I don't have clippers. These things are nasty. Uh, B, you're the God of the universe. You're not going to wash my, you're not going to do the job of a humble servant and wash my feet. It's just not going to go down this way. And Jesus is like, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. And Peter's like, well, then shoot, like wash this whole thing, right? He starts derobing. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You're missing the point. Once you are clean, you are already clean. I just want to wash your feet because they have the closest proximity to the dirt of the earth. You need kind of like a regular 
a regular just kind of refreshing. So when he says here, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you, he's talking to believers. He's talking to people who already believe. And he's saying, you're already in, you're already saved. This isn't about needing to pray to be saved every day. This isn't, this isn't about like every time you lie or cuss or do anything that you like lose your salvation. No, you're already clean. You're already saved because of the word I've spoken to you, because you have believed. And then he goes on. So then what? So then how, the question is, how then do we live? And he says in verse four, so now remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So in his last little teaching session, in his last message to his disciples, he's not pumping them up on the Ten Commandments and giving them like a rehash, right? It's not, hey, hey, don't forget the Big Ten. Like, these are the things. It's not, hey, remember these three years we've been walking together? This is like, here is an outline of the things in, in, in order of most significance. No, 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 no. His message to them, as you live this life, is simply this. Remain in me. Remain connected to me. Let us have this organic relationship of connection, of life, It's ongoing. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. I'm going to be resurrected. I'm going to go into heaven and still remain in me. Remain in me. I'm sending my spirit to make this whole thing possible. Remain in me. Remain in me. That is how you are, we are to live. So let's get a little visual of this. We put this vine here, wrapped it around the cross with some lights. Now, I don't, you know, many of you, that um, botany is like not my strength when it comes to flowers and things like that. I, I kind of don't know some stuff. But, but I do know that this, this vine, it gets, it gets its nourishment and stuff from the roots, right? It's the vine that has the roots in the soil. It's the vine that does. And I learned in high school this idea, biology class, about phloem and xylem. So there's these two things going on, phloem and xylem, and they bring the nourishment up, and other things are going out. And so they go from the roots up the vine into the branches. So it's the vine that is producing the life for these branches. The branches just hang out. That's all they do. But they have the benefit of being the ones that grow the leaves The fruit, the flowers, those things all grow on the branch. Are you with me? And the branch is just connected to the vine. That's its only job. So if the the branch is no longer connected to the vine, what does it become? A stick. I mean, it's just a stick. Don't be just a stick. This thing, as soon as I disconnect it from the vine, it loses its life source. There's nothing flowing back and forth. This thing is dead now. And you will see it start to go brown. And it, I mean, it's just, it's just lifeless. You can have that as a souvenir. <laughs> there's just nothing, there's nothing left for it to do. It is done. There's no life left unless it is connected to the vine. It's life source. Friends, you and I, Jesus says, are like the branches. He will produce the fruit. He will, he will ha- he's the source of life. He will make sure that we have what we need. Your job, my job is very simple. Stay. 
stay. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. But I struggle with this addiction. I can't, this depression thing, I I know, I know, I know. I don't understand all that, but here's where I know where to start. Stay. Stay connected. Stay connected to your life source. Stay connected to the God of the universe. Don't, don't manage. Don't think you have to manage with all these r- r- rules and rituals and all this kind of stuff that will make you better somehow. There's a place for discipline and habits and all that that's great. But it could just be cosmetics on a dying stick. Unless you are staying connected to your God. God is our life source. Our job is simply to stay connected. And as we learn to stay connected, what it looks like, another visual that he gives us, is that we learn to walk with God. Look at Galatians chapter 5. It expounds on this idea of producing fruit when it says, but the fruit of the Spirit, another translation says, when the Holy Spirit controls your life, he will produce love. Joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. How many of you have been or you have known people that just try with everything they can to produce that fruit? Man, they want to look loving. Man, they want to look patient. Man, they want to look like they're shiny, nice Christian people. And so they try, and they white knuckle, and they grit their teeth, and are going to fruit, 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 fruit. You can't produce your own fruit. You're a branch. It's not your deal. You can't, even if you wanted to. Fruit is produced in and through us, but it's not produced by us. Fruit is produced in and through you, but not by you. You have to be connected to the vine or it doesn't work. You're just fooling yourself. You're just cranking out fake fruit. So those last words, if you have a pen, underline them. It says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So we have this image of the vine and the branch producing fruit. And then now we have this image of for the fruit to be produced, we keep in step with. Hillary, my wife, her grandparents are fantastic people. They live in Gig Harbor, Washington, but they have their quirks. Uh, Grandpa Jake, who's also actually his real name is Jack. So we named our son Jack and kind of that, that fourth generation, you know, heritage thing. Jake is walking with his wife, Pat, and uh, they used to walk together. They don't so much anymore because Jake, being this like Korean War hero and just this guy, you know, just man's man, uh, he doesn't see the point in walking with Pat. Um, so when he sets out on a walk, he sets out on a walk. And this guy is gone. And Pat tries to keep up for a few minutes. And then the hip goes. And she's just like, forget this. So I have seen it where they're down like on the main drag of the little town. And she, there's like 200 yards between them. And she's like cussing under her breath and hating on him. And, and that's kind of the, the, the dysfunction there. And she, now she just doesn't walk with them at all. 
So Hillary told me about this when we were first dating and getting married as a, as a lesson to me. Like, you will walk with me. Uh, you will never walk or run in front of me. It's just kind of dishonoring, right? And then you just, you get out of rhythm and you're not connected and you're just, you're, it's just kind of a weird deal. I, maybe a past generation is no big deal, but now I could, that would not fly in my, in my family. There's something about walking with, Right? And why do we talk about walking with someone through their pain? Why do we talk about walking with someone through their struggle? Because there's something about being shoulder to shoulder. You're, you're connected. We're doing this together. We're going somewhere together. We're in this thing together. There's something significant about it. So when Hillary and I take walks, it's a, it's a bonding time because kind of the, the other stresses and the things, the distractions, the media and the other things, we're just out on a sidewalk walking and we're able to connect. Is it any surprise that 2,000 years ago, Jesus, that God is trying to speak to us about this, and he's saying the way to stay connected to me is just to stay connected, just to walk with me. It's just that kind of organic relationship. That's what he wants for you, to walk with him like you would your spouse, your girlfriend, your, friend, your kid, your, your buddy. You walk. You do this life together. You go through this life together. It's what we do. We keep in step. So now, if you are struggling with something, if you have a pattern that you're not proud of in your life, and you, you used to think, oh, I did it again, and you have this tendency to go to this religious place of, of white-knuckling and trying to be better, stop it. Don't think, oh, I did it again. Oh, I messed up. Oh, I failed again. Instead, think, I just got out of step. I got out of step with my God. I got out of step with him. I'm walking in front of, behind, or way off track, whatever it is, but I just want to get right back in step, connected to my God. That is this life. That is how we live this life. It's not a series of religious rituals and expectations. It's to walk with your God. Third, you need to just be intentional about rejecting the religion and the rules and restrictions that I've been talking about. Look at Romans chapter 7. It says, I do not understand what I do. This is the famous apostle Paul talking who wrote most of the New Testament, and he is just like you and me, and he says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. Can you relate to that? Do you know anything about that? But then here's our goal is to get to this place like I did in verse 24 where you can say, Oh, what a wretched person I am. Oh, what a wretched person. When you come to the end of yourself and you realize, I can't keep up the facade. I can't, the, the, you know, the, the structure around my life, the scaffolding is falling. I can't keep this up anymore. I'm not going to be fake. I'm not going to be this fake religious person. I can't do it. What a wretched person I am. Left to my own devices, I am a mess. When you get to that point, like, like Paul did, then you say the next thing. What a wretched man I am. Who, circle that word, who, 
will save me from this body that is subject to death. His hope is in a person. Do you see that? It's not in rules and regulations and things that he's going to figure out. He says, who will save me? His hope is in a person, and that person is Jesus. Thanks be to God, verse 25, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Religion will tell you what you ought to do, that you don't do it, and so you're done for, right? But our hope is in a person. Following Jesus is about walking with Jesus. Approaching God through the law is our default, but it leads to defeat. Approaching God through the law, trying to work it out on our own, is our default, but it always leads to defeat. You can't win going down that path. And once you realize that, you'll start to hide, and you'll start to hide in shame. And when you fall into shame, that's when things really spiral and get out of control. That's when I was at the worst point in my life, was when I I kept failing, I kept failing, and then I started hiding it and not being honest about it. It only got worse. That's how it works. So reject those religious ideas that you have to do all these things, 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 and learn to walk with Jesus. Your hope is in a person. Look at Romans 8.3. It says, For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son. Now I want to introduce you to somebody. Many of you know her. She's one of our friendly greeters and just brings life to this community. And she, I have seen in her life that she embodies this. She's just very real and authentic. And I wanted her to share just a little bit of her story so you can get to know her better and she can encourage you. Will you please welcome Casey Harrison. Hi, Casey. Hi. Would you just tell us a little bit about you and how you got to be a part of this community? Okay. So, um... Six months into my marriage, my husband, Colin, was diagnosed with cancer. And he was kind of the guy who said, we'll go to church, Casey, like when we have kids. It's a Sunday kind of family thing. And that night, he accepted Jesus Christ into his heart. So in the first year of marriage, we... After he was diagnosed that yeah, night? that night on his knees in the living room. It was cool. Crazy. So, How long um, ago was that? Six years. Six years ago. Yeah. Um, First year of marriage, diagnosis of cancer, chemotherapy. He accepted Christ. I rededicated my life to Christ. We moved from Texas to California, and we both started new jobs. It was awesome. It's a lot. Yeah, we survived. Actually, we thrived. Um, we just had this amazing marriage. We loved each other very well. And five years into it, the cancer came back, and this time it was in his brain and in his cerebral spinal fluid. So that meant, like, every day from his toes up, he just kind of got more and more paralyzed. And his mother moved in with us from Texas. That's fun. Um, We had a really small house, and the only door that locked was the bathroom. So it became our very favorite place of the house. And this guy, Rich, from our church, he would come over a couple of times a week, and he would help me lift Colin up and um, put him in the bathtub so that we could have our private time together. And during that time, it was just so special. We um, read the Bible together, and we prayed together, and we prayed for each other. We talked about what heaven was going to be like and what my life might look like without him. And it was just this amazing time that we got to spend with God. And it was a gift that Rich had given us. And I'm super selfish, and I'm a jerk. I didn't realize that. 
but calm wasn't. And so one day he asked Rich, he said, you know, gosh, you have like kids, don't you? Four of them. And aren't you a baseball coach? And don't you have Girl Scouts? And what does your wife think? And why are you doing this? You hardly know me. Why are you doing this? And Rich, without missing a beat, he just said, because Jesus loves me. And I didn't get it, and I wouldn't have gotten it for years. Um, Like I said, Calm passed away about six years ago, April 11th. And I don't want to gloss over the pain of that because it hurt, and it was deep. And for me, it was desperate. But the most beautiful thing happened. Jesus just, he met me in those moments. And he met me exactly where I was. And he just picked me up and loved on me. And it was through the love of Christ in those years that um, I healed and I found joy in my life and I'm alive in Christ. And for me, that journey has been um, putting God as my true north and really just making Christ the center of my life. And in order to do that, I've had to surrender some of my dreams. So what got me here was I had to give up my house. I was, um, it was bittersweet. I was drowning in debt, like bloop, 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 drowning (laughs) in debt. And, um, but it was known. It was bad, but it was known. And the unknown was really scary to me. So I sold my house, made just enough money to pay off my debt. And I thought, perfect, God, you can have my life because now I'm 40, I'm single, and I've inherited a cat that will never, ever, ever die. <laughs> so I moved to Huntington Beach because I said, God, I'm going to love you, but I'm going to do it surfing every single day. So I moved to Huntington Beach, and I just started looking for a community. I remembered what Rich was and that community was like. And I landed at Mariners. And to me, Mariners, it's you. I mean, we're authentic, and we're real, and we're genuine, and we're transparent. And I know I'm a mess. I thought I hid it pretty well. And Jairus kind of told me I wasn't, and I said, that's cool, because I'm God's mess, and, but we're just loving people here, and that's why I love Mariners so much. And I, and we love you. Thanks, you're stuck with me. And one of the many great things about Casey is that you just jump in. When you jump into a community, you jump in, and so she has jumped in here, and you'll see her serving, but you also did Rooted for the first time in this last session, right? But you just didn't do Rooted by yourself. You <laughs> brought some other people in it with you, right? I did. Say more about that. So when I got to Mariners, I wanted to join a life group, and they were like, perfect, Rooted. And I said, no, you didn't hear me. I want to join a life group. And they were like, that's awesome. The sign-up for Rooted is right outside. And I was like, <laughs> Fine. Okay, and so I started asking around about Rooted, like what it's about, and if you've ever noticed when they start signing up for Rooted, like this huge buzz goes on, and everyone gets super excited, and they tell you about their Rooted experience, so people are like, it's going to change your life, it's awesome, it's great, I still talk to my people, it's amazing, and I thought, it's going to change my life? Cool. It's going to change my friend Eric's life, too, then. I'd met this guy, Eric, in the water, surfing. And there you go. (laughs) And he had just moved to Huntington Beach. And I was like, awesome. I just moved to Huntington Beach. And perfect. You surf. You're going to be my friend. It's going to be awesome. So I invited him to um, Rooted. And he came. We were in Jairus' group. It was an amazing group. We laughed a whole bunch. And mostly at Jairus. (laughs) He wasn't here today, which is awesome. Um, (laughs) But 
I really didn't know Eric's story. I knew that um, he had some indication of Christ, but I didn't know where his walk was. And throughout the 10 weeks, this guy just opened up a whole bunch. And um, he shared his story at the end, and it was just an amazing story. And the very last night on celebration, I got to be there when he got baptized. And it was just, it changed his life. And it definitely changed my life. So if you get the chance, sign up for Rooted. And if you want to know more, ask me. You're great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, friends, by the way, if you haven't done Rooted, sign up for Rooted. There will be people out there signing you up. If you've already done Rooted, we'll get you, and you're not in a life group, we'll get you into a life group. That's how we do what we do. We do life in community like that. And so we, that's our first step. If you're newer and haven't done Rooted, jump into that thing. Because no one cares about how disciplined you are in your religious rituals. They care when they see the love of Christ in you. And they'll come with you to Rooted, even though they've never set foot in this church, Eric had. And because of her, he came and was baptized as a part of this community. We invited him here today, but he had to work. So it's a, we got his permission to talk about him behind his back. <laughs> That's what this is about, walking with God, letting him bear the fruit that is compelling to other people. And it's the kind of life that you want, even in the midst of ha- the hardest of circumstances. Her hope is in this relationship with her God. Walk with him. Stay connected to him. Look at number four. Embrace his love. This passage is also just a few verses later in the same passage in John 15. And it says this, As the Father has loved me, so I love you, Jesus telling you. Now remain in my love. You notice a pattern here. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And here's His command. Here's what He wants you to do. Love each other as I have loved you. You want to stay connected? You want to, you want to keep His commands? You want to remain? Love each other the way that He is loving you as you walk with Him. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, Jesus says, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. The God of the universe calls you friend. And some of you are still trying to earn your way and do all the right stuff and jump through the hurdles. And a lot of your friends out there are, or they think that is the stumbling block that's preventing them from plugging into the families because they think they have to be perfect or they think they can't have fun anymore or they think that they can't do this or do this and that everyone's just going to be monitoring their lifestyle. That's not what this is about. You are a friend of God. You walk with him. You connect with him. That's your life and my life. And that's what we get to invite other people into. Not based on their performance, their cuss quotient, or anything like that. Walking with God is the invitation. And then we will have the distinguishing factor that he says here. That friendship with God 
extends to others. Look at John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Not because you're shiny and nice and if you love one another. And then Acts 4.13 says, when they saw the courage, these are outside people, when they saw the courage of Peter, Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, unimpressive, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. That these men had walked with Jesus. If you feel unimpressive, ordinary, like your life is just like this, walk with Jesus. That's life's adventure. Walking with the God of the universe as the story continues to play out day by day. Can you imagine the excitement of waking up and looking over, you know, taking your rock pillow out from underneath you and looking and seeing Jesus on the dirt next to you and wondering, what's he going to do today? Dang, this is crazy, right? Do you know that you live a similar life? He's still doing crazy stuff around you all the time. You get to walk with him in it. You get to stay connected with him in it. You get to participate with him in it. And those of you that are kind of on the fence and you're not sure if you have a relationship with him or not, it's, it's just simple. You just ask. You just invite. You just receive him. And then this is all true of you. You just walk with God. Let go of all the religious obstacles and the barriers and, and, and the things and the steps you have to get right and the secret handshake. Let it all go. Walk with your God. Walk with your God. It's not about what you do. It's about who you know. And a lot of you, a lot of you are, you know, you, you like to have like the checklist and you're like, okay, well, just, just tell me like two things I should do this week or whatever, you know, I, I, no, no, nothing like that. This week, I just want you to have this image of the vine and that you are a branch, that he is your life source, and that he will produce the fruit in your life as you stay connected And visualize as you walk throughout this week that you are walking with your God just like you're walking with anyone else. Invite him into that. As you breathe, breathe the Holy Spirit. It's not a weird thing, right? He's just just invisible. He's here. He's in you. He's all around. Breathe, walk, stay. That's it. The rest of the series, we'll talk about more and more kind of fleshing out what that looks like. but, But that is the foundation of this life. what he celebrated, what we celebrated that he did on the cross at Easter, and now we remain and we stay and we live it out and we walk it out day by day. That is our privilege. That is the invitation. It's as simple as that. God, thank you that life is actually really simple. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that you are our life source, help us to come to you every moment of every day and not forget, not to go off on our own, do our own thing or try really hard not to do our own thing and what we want to do. Help us just to enjoy that we have a relationship with you. Help us, God, to stay connected to your Holy Spirit. Help us right now in this moment to hear from you And be with us as we go from this place that we can just stay connected with you all day long. In Jesus' name.